Hi friends, my name is Landon Wietrich, and this is Inquire Inside. Braden and I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Michael Lee. Dr. Lee is an upper cervical chiropractor and has been practicing in De Pere, Missouri. As this episode is dropping, Dr. Lee is in the process of opening his own clinic, Crossroads Brain and Spine, in Indianapolis, Indiana. He has co-authored a textbook and has an exercise science degree alongside his doctorate in chiropractic. As you're about to hear in this conversation, Dr. Lee has a passion for not only solving health problems, but preventing them from occurring. We cover many topics in this episode, but a few of them are when to use supplements and vitamins, sleep hygiene, the difference between chiropractors and medical doctors, the unique way Dr. Lee finds out how he can help his patients, his philosophy on spine health, and a powerful testimony that changed Dr. Lee's professional and personal life forever. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Dr. Michael Lee. So, Braden, um, so he just recently, I shouldn't say recently, how old is your son, Chase, Braden? Uh, Chase actually turned a year um, on the 20th, so two days ago. Oh, really? Okay. That's amazing. So, all of us are relatively new dads of of boys so Braden has has two little girls and uh chase is his youngest so just turned a year old my son my son conrad just turned a week old um yesterday yeah and then yeah go on no you're good and then dr lee your son uh archer is that right archer indeed Yeah. yeah how old is he now he is, today's the 22nd, so he turns five months tomorrow. Okay. So. Okay. So your son's still pretty young it, as well. And and he's your first, uh, correct? And it, well, we have a dog, but that's it. <laughs> 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 yeah, man. Yeah, right. That might count. <laughs> of course. Yes, Archer, of course. Archer's our first human baby. Human baby. Got it. Fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. My wife and I were, were just talking about how, like, it's already been five months. Like what, you know, uh, our bedtime was like nine before, and now it's like seven thirty-eight. Like, man, any, any more kids, you know, we're going to have to have dinner at like four and be in bed by six. Oh man. Yeah. That, I, that's hilarious. I, I'm guilty of that too. I had to start, start setting the alarm a little earlier because otherwise you're getting too much sleep and not enough done. Right. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Oh. The winter months don't help when it's dark. You know, here it gets dark at five o'clock. So that's always interesting. Right. You know, it's hard to stay motivated when the sun goes down. Fair. Fair. There's actually a lot of neurology behind um, and um, like physiology behind, you know, sun exposure and the pineal gland and and all this kind of stuff. And so there's, um, I don't know if you guys have seen, but some people have that suffer from seasonal affective disorder have these like iPads that are lights. And so if I was yeah. getting a PhD in, in neuroscience, I would, I would um, track the changes of the brain because it's artificial light. And so it's, you're kind of tricking the brain, but it's not the good light and we're not getting the vitamin D that we need. And, and so it's, it's like, well, I don't know, maybe there's something to be said about like, you know, ev- evolutionarily speaking, we need to have, 
bright months and we need to have darker months and we need to have active and we need to have more of that hibernation slow down. So um, these are the things I, I would say these are the things that keep me up at night, but I have a five month old. So he keeps me up at night. Of course. <laughs> so are you, I, I'm curious, uh, Dr. Michael, do you, are you supplementing anything, you know, during these winter months? I mean, as far as uh, vitamins, so on and so forth. Are I'm that, not a, that's something that you're tapping. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of taking supplements all the time. Number one, because if we need to be taking a supplement, let's get some blood, blood work done first. Um, because how do we know that you're deficient in vitamin C or, or vitamin D or calcium or magnesium? Um, so first and foremost, I tell people, hey, let's get some blood work done first because too much of a good thing is bad. Uh, number two, that thing that I always struggle with is the quality of, of the supplements. Um, because the supplements are not regulated by the FDA. And so it's tougher to get something on the, on the shelf at Aldi than it is in a supplement or a nutrition store. So there's nothing on the label saying that there's X amount of vitamin C. Um, now for some people like, you know, I've, who doesn't get the sniffles or, you know, whatever else from when my wife and I went through COVID, you know, there's like liposomal vitamin C and we supplement with, with vitamin D, but I don't do that consistently throughout, throughout the, the winter months. So short answer, I'm not a big fan of supplements, a longer answer. Yes. It's needed. Um, and the big, but the big thing is the quality. Cause I, if you take a supplement, you're just going to be peeing it out and it's a strain on the kidneys and the liver and you look, your urine looks like a, a, a highlighter and you just wasted however many dollars you spent that some meathead said, Hey, you need to have this. Right, right, and I, and I'm assuming that's coming from, you know, that's coming from a point, you know, obviously, if you're getting, if you're eating the right things, um, you know, if you're getting adequate sleep, if you're actually exercising and doing those things, right? Um, you know, my one of my questions would be to you. So, you know, the guys say there's guys that are running on three, four hours of sleep a night, um, and they, you know. Old caffeine only does so much, right? Obviously, sleep then becomes what you're deprived of, but there's just not enough time in the day. I don't know if you run into patients like that at all. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's so tough because, it, you know, there's sometimes that you have to rob Peter to, to pay, pay Paul, but you can only run on fumes for so so mm -hmm. long. We look at, you know, your cortisol levels go up, your liver enzymes get out of whack, and then it's like, you know, your, your immune system goes down and then it's like, Oh, I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating well. It's I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I'm probably not e exercising. And so then it's like this negative feedback loop of, well, now I'm sick. I'm tired. Um, you know, my nutrition went to, went to crap. I'm not happy with my body. So now my affect is down and it's like this really nasty, but, um, there's a, been a lot of research to say that sometimes caffeine is really, really good. Um, and sometimes the caffeine is really, really bad. I think, you know, you go to Starbucks and get a venti grande, you know, infinity scarf with some, you know, order, like, like probably not high quality stuff, but if like bulletproof coffee and the kettle stuff, different, but yeah, I, I'm not the coffee guy by any means. <laughs> Have you, all right, Landon, if there's something you want to, you know, if you want to steer this in a different direction, jump in at any time. But now that we're talking about sleep, have you ever heard of polyphasic sleep or done any research on polyphasic? 
Um, I know that there's, you know, on the neuroscience aspect that I'm, I'm really into, you know, there's different brain, brain waves, right? You have alpha, gamma, delta, beta, SMR, and there's actually a sixth one. There's a beta high and low, and there's this, there's another brain wave, but research hasn't quite caught up with it yet. And so from what I've done research on, there's some like biohacks that can help you get into that deep, deep Delta cross through, you know, go from beta theta is that like in between state, um, and then get, get down to fast. But, um, I, I haven't personally seen any fantastic re- research on it, but what about you, Braden? No, I haven't either. Um, okay. well, it depends, you know, it, it's the same thing we run into a lot. It's like, okay, uh, do you trust the data or do you trust, um, you know, maybe the testimony of whatever was said about it until you actually do it yourself and or it's one thing to do it yourself. It's a whole other thing to actually know what, what the research is behind it, right? Because though you could be having early success with it, you don't maybe necessarily understand what the long-term effects are, right? Sure, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, I talk with my patients a lot about sleep because, you know, everybody understands dental hygiene, but not a lot of people understand spinal hygiene or sleep hygiene. And so it's like, okay, what are we doing from a neuroscientific standpoint with the brain as we prepare to go to sleep from a nutritional standpoint, from a stimulation standpoint? Um, and it's really tough because a lot of people stimulate the crap out of their brain before they go to sleep. Yeah. And then it's hard to get through, you know, from beta to delta quickly. Um, and that, like, I know if I'm on my phone before bed, my, it's, it takes longer for me to get to sleep. And then my quality of sleep is not very high. Um, and then I wake up and I'm like, first thing I do is get back on my phone. So I'm just stimulating my brain over and over again. And it's like stupid. Like you idiot, stop using your phone before bed. What do you, right. what do you think of blue light blocking glasses or, or screen filters? Uh, I think it's awesome. You know, we, obviously we want to decrease the amount of exposure that we have because blue light is not inherently bad. Uh, but if we look at it through an evolutionary standpoint, it hasn't been around for that long. Um, and we're in this world of portion distortion. When we talk about the nutritional aspect, like, you know, I, I did a study in, in college with my exercise science degree that the average American dinner plate size has increased like 58% in the last 50 years. So we're increasing on average, like in a percent a, a year of the size of the food. And it's like, okay, we went from let's have dinner to, okay, now let's have a massive dinner. And so it's okay. It's let's watch TV because we want to watch our favorite show and now let's binge it. And so I think that the blue light, the thing that people are, are seeing with blue light is that it's, we can't regulate ourselves because if something's good it feels good and it feels good to feel good. So let's like overstimulate and, and have way too much of it. So I, I know a lot of people that I have interacted with that use blue light blocking glasses or the screen protectors that have to be in front of a screen really, really like it because we can't, sometimes you can't not be in front of a, a screen or your phone, particularly if it's for your occupation. Yeah. Personally, I do use blue, blue light blocking glasses. I used to some during the day uh, because there's the daylight ones, there's the nighttime ones. I didn't really notice a whole lot of difference. Maybe some 
difference uh, with the daytime glasses, but I definitely notice it with the nighttime glasses. Just the the, the lens is much darker, the um, much more color, like the the orange in the lens is uh, just just blocks a lot more blue light than the daytime ones, of course. So I've definitely noticed it there, and then I do have the filter um, on on both of my computers, and it just I just feel my eyes relaxing. It just mm. I don't feel like I'm you know straining so much. It's it, I I really I really like it. Sure, sure, yeah, that's that's awesome. So I think it's you know people that try to find hacks to make life easier in that regard, I think is, I think is a, a, a positive thing. Cause it's not a laziness thing, but it's a, Hey, we have to be in front of a screen. Let's, let's at least try to mitigate the, the, the damage or the effect that it has on our brain. And to your point, I do try to limit my screen time, you know, within an hour or at least an hour before bed, just because I've, I've, I've seen the same, or maybe not seen the same research, but I've heard the same things with what you're saying. It's just like limiting that screen time, eating smaller meals, in an earlier podcast, I talked about uh, how I don't I don't ever eat after seven p.m. Um, just because of what you just mentioned. You know, I don't want my body to be focused on trying to digest a huge meal as it's trying to you know fall asleep. Right. Yeah. And it's tough because you know being on our phone or being on our computer isn't inherently bad, but what's happening is when we're on our phone or computer, what it's doing is it's lighting up the brain because when we it, when we have some sensory input to the eyes. What happens? The eyes, we have rods and cones in our eyes, right? Then it, it, our eyes have to perceive it. And then it goes back to the occipital lobe. The occipital lobe, which is the vision center, one of the big vision centers, interprets that data, then sends it back to the frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe is that CEO part of the brain. And so then we have to decipher what we're doing. And so it just lights up the brain and it's stimulating. It's throwing fuel on the fire. And so then it's like once we you know, we're stimulated to the point that, you know, we're affecting, you know, we have light in our face when it's dark outside. And so then it's like, okay, how do we let the gas off the brain? And so that's why insomnia and stuff like that is so common because people are so stimulated and then they turn it off and their brain's like, uh, yo dude, you just sped me up. Yeah. Now I'm stopping. So it makes it really, really hard to, to sleep well. Yeah. I love how you brought up blood work earlier when Braden asked about, uh, supplements and vitamins, you know, uh, we, Braden and I actually talked about, or I mentioned, I want to get my blood work done this year okay. as kind of a, kind of a 2022 goal. So I love sure. that you said that because it, just as you said, um, you don't know what you're deficient in until you get your blood work done. Right. And, uh, personally I do supplement with vitamin D. I know Braden mentioned that and I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but I've been supplementing consistently with vitamin D for about two years now. And I went from having two week long, nasty colds, probably four to six times a year to next to nothing. Um, if, if I do get, I don't, I don't even know if you can call it a cold. I might get like a little scratchy throat for maybe three days and then that's it. It's, it's, that's what I've seen as far as benefits from supplementing with vitamin D, I haven't really seen any benefits from any other type of supplement, at least that I could actually notice. But sure, this was yeah. a drastic change for me when it came to That's vitamin awesome. D. So, so I guess to your point, without getting my blood work done, I would, I would imagine that my vitamin D levels were, were pretty low prior to me starting to supplement. Right, right. And that would be a reasonable, uh, that would be a, a reasonable assumption. Um, and where a lot of people, I see a lot of people 
you know, they take a lot of supplements and vitamins, particularly in the bodybuilding world, uh, which I think we might get into that a little bit. You know, a supplement is just that. It should be supplementing what we're already taking. Because from an evolutionary perspective, supplements and vitamins haven't been around long, right? We have to interact with our food. We have to chew it, mastication. And that's when that digestion process starts because a supplement or vitamin is really, you're hacking the system. Mm. Um, so it, I like to think about it. I like to explain it to patients of, okay, if we're, you know, if we have the, the crappy diet, we can supplement all that we want, but we probably should try to eat it. And then if we're eating really good, healthy, organic, non-GMO, chemical-free stuff, and we're still deficient, then we can supplement with something. And I like to think about a supplement is we're enticing, you know, come on, you can do it. Let me give you the substrates of the vitamin D, but you have the mechanism within the body. So come on, make it, make it. And so you give the body enough to kind of jumpstart it and then entice it to, to do those own metabolic processes. As opposed to if I take, you know, a ton of vitamin D, then what happens is the centers that, that help metabolize that start to shut down. Cause they're like, um, I was making vitamin D, but now there's this artificial stuff. I don't have to make it. And so then it's like, you have to be in vitamin D forever, or you have to keep upping, upping the, the ante. And it's like, well, what the, I shouldn't be on vitamin D forever. Cause it's a supplement. Now you're making me think here. So is this something like for vitamin D, for example, is that something I should maybe focus on primarily more in the winter when I'm out in the sun less or like, should I cycle it somehow? What are your thoughts on that? I'm a big fan, you know, obviously vitamin D, the best way we can get that is from, from the sun. Um, and we spend less time obviously out in the sun, even though it's interesting, the sun from my study in astronomy and, and, and quantum mechanics, the sun is actually closer to earth in the wintertime. Um, but it has something to do with like the 26 degree point something degree tilt of the earth and the, the sun it's closer during winter time, but it's colder. And it's like, I've never quite, maybe when uh, I see Neil deGrasse Tyson out, I'll say, Hey, how, do, how does this work? Um, but uh, yeah, like I'm a big fan of, okay, let's start taking vitamin D. Let's say we're taking a thousand, whatever, you know, if it's milligrams or, you know, whatever I use, let's yeah. start, I use, um, you know, let's start taking that. And then let's, De decrease a little bit, maybe cut it in by a third. So we're at 750 and then we're on taking 750 for a while. Let's go down to five and two, two, 250, or maybe let's do it every other day. Um, because we're constantly just like when we train, right. Especially in the, in the, in the weightlifting world, you know, we constantly want to be enticing the body to adapt. And so I like to think about taking supplements the same way as we don't want to have the same thing every single time. We want to try to not trick, trick the body, but again, entice it into adapting. Now, if you're on, if somebody's taking medications, right. Prescribed by a medical doctor, that's a whole nother thing. Um, but yeah, I like, that's how I take, take supplements in my own life. And when, when patients ask about it, I try to get them to change their perception of why I'm taking it. And number two, it decreases the cost of what you're spending because you're taking in, in less. And it's less stress in their bodies. Yeah. I could be saving you money and it could be, be more effective. I don't know many patients that would say, wow, that sounds dumb. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, real quick, before we go any further, I'll, and I'm going to put all this in the, in the notes, in the show notes, but 
Um, I know you have multiple degrees and stuff. What just, just kind of starting from the beginning, um, can you just run, run through that for us real quick as far as your, your credentials? Yeah. So I went to the university of Indianapolis and let's go hounds. Uh, it's not a game sign. That is a, uh, university affiliated hand signal, um, for all you Tony Stark fans out there. So yeah, I went to the university of Indianapolis and I was an exercise science major there. Um, in that, in my training, I got to do a lot of, I studied some, um, through the American college of sports medicine, the ACSM, um, and the NS, NSCA studied for both of those tests as well. Um, so I actually did not pass my ACSM test by six points. So I was told that there was not going to be any metabolic calculations on there. Um, and there was, so I, I'm, I'm, oh, low, I'm low key salty about that, but, uh, so yeah, I got an exercise science degree and in that, uh, in that degree, I did some really cool in- internships. I was at a functional training gym. Um, I personally have a, a, about a decade of time in the powerlifting world. Um, and then in college, during some of my exercise science uh, degree work, I got involved in, in, in the bodybuilding world. So a lot of the knowledge about nutrition and, and training uh, uses my exercise science background. A lot of it's me because I was kind of a mad scientist of, you know, what different things can I, can I do? Um, then after I graduated with my exercise science degree, I went on to pursue a doctorate in chiropractic at Logan University here in St. Louis. Um, loved that. Uh, thought about getting a master's in sports science and, and rehabilitation. I thought, I really have a, a good foundation in that. Um, and that limits my referral partners of, you know, I, if someone needs rehab, let me send you to somebody that does it because I don't want to be the jack of all trades, master of none. Then after I graduated, I started taking um, Harvard X classes in in neuroscience. So I pursued a degree uh, in neuroscience as well. I've also started taking um, some uh, classes toward a diplomate in neurology. So in the chiropractic profession, you can have what's called a diplomate or a diplomat training. so it's kind of like a residency if you think about the traditional medical doctor or or, or the DL. Um, so I've started to pursue a diplomate in, in neurology, which is 300 hours postdoc training. Um, so a lot of my focus is, yeah, I, I care about the muscles and I care about the spine, but I more so care about what's inside of the spine, but really what's inside of our skull. Um, because it's, I mean, the brain is the master master computer and a lot of issues start in our brain. Uh, it just so happens that they manifest in the musculoskeletal system. So it's kind of like, you know, my approach is water in the basement versus the, the, the hole in the roof. I could chase around pain and I could chase around symptoms, but I'd rather start in the top and then work from above down inside out, starting from the brain through the spine and then kind of, kind of working at, um, working in, in, in that approach. So it's very, very, very different. And, I, and my approach is very much on the, the neurologic side of side of, of things compared to your, your typical. <clears throat> Cause you're, you're more focused Would you would say you're more focused on the prevention side of things in general. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I like to meet people, of course, you know, getting once somebody ha- has an injury, like great, you know, we can, we have really effective outcomes with that, but I like to educate people that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So let's try to get, let's try to find the, the potential where the roof could leak 
before our, our, our basement's flooded. Number one, because we can get back to baseline quicker than normal. Our outcomes are better. And number two, it's much cheaper. Um, I'm a big fan of um, cost burden on the patient. So it's much cheaper to be preventative than it is to be reactive. If you don't believe me, go to go to an emergency department. You're going to spend a, a couple thousand dollars just, just to ride the ambulance, cross to the door. You're spending at least $2,000. <clears throat> Forgive me if this is somewhat of a sensitive question, but do do medical doctors and chiropractors do they butt heads a little bit? <laughs> we have been butting heads uh, with medical doctors since the start of chiropractic in eighteen ninety five, and a lot of that is because chiro- because medical doctors don't understand what it is that we do, and the reason that is is because a lot of chiropractors don't understand what chiropractors do. And I say that because here in St. Louis, within a 10-mile radius of my office, there's 115 different chiropractors, 115 different in a 10-mile radius. We all do something different, and we all think we're right, including me, because everybody has their lens of what they view things through. So now it's confusing as all get out for the, for the, the population, for the you know, patients, but it's also confusing to other providers because, well, this chiropractor does acupuncture and rehab, and they, you know, white you know, I have Palo Santo burning in the office and do essential oils and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Well, this chiropractor, he just adjusts the top bone of my neck. The other chiropractor pulls on my feet. Like it's confusing as all get out. And, um, you know, chiropractors have had great results helping patients get better without the use of drugs and surgery. And if you're a medical doctor, the two things in your, your toolbox are drugs and surgery. Not that it's bad, but that's what their lens is and that's what they're trained in. So it's, I'm a big fan of reaching across the aisle and saying, hey, in the event that you don't want to have a non-pharmacological intervention or non-surgical intervention, chiropractic is a really good option for you. I've had five surgeries on my left knee. No amount of adjustments in the world are going to heal, heal my, my meniscus. I need to have the medications and I need to have, have the surgery to, to, to get through that. But drugs and surgery are not a long-term a long-term fix because they're a reaction to something that happened. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think you guys button head keeps each other honest, keeps each other honest from the outside looking in to a certain degree. And I, and I like that, right? Not bad. So I got a question as far as, um, you know, patient walks in, um, whatever their injury or whatever the reason for being in your office, um, I wouldn't mind, you know, a quick debrief of, of what kind of questions, uh, what kind of solutions, you know, what, what's that, what's that experience going to be like? We come into Dr. Michael's office. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a fantastic question. In the perfect world, I would, Brandon, I could say nothing to, to you and you could say nothing to, to me and I'm going to get functional data, neurologic data, structural data, postural data. And then I'm, I won't say anything to you the first, first visit. I'm going to collect all my data. You're going to leave, leave my office. I'm going to sit down, spend about 45 minutes to an hour, putting all the different puzzle pieces together because you're, you're a puzzle piece. Then the second time I meet you, I'm going to collect some more neurologic data. Then we're going to sit down shoulder to shoulder. And I'm going to go over, hey, Brayden, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I want to do about it. This is what's going to happen if we don't do anything about it. And this is what I want to do moving, moving forward. That's the second visit. 
still, I'm not doing quote any, any treatments because I don't have enough neurologic data. The third visit is where we finally get the ball going. So then I do another neurologic scan and then that's when the fir first correction happens. So in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to tell me anything and I wouldn't have to say, say anything to you, but people like to do, uh, people want some, uh, some communication with their, their, their provider. A lot of it's the education side of what it is that I do different than any other, other provider in my area. But of course, you know, how are you getting, sorry, how are you getting your neurologic data? How, how are you getting this information, um, you know, enough to understand your patient? Sure. So I am one of the only providers, there's about 500 doctors uh, that use the same type of technology in the entire world. Um, so we're the only in St. Louis, uh, we're the only office that uses infrared thermography and 3D spi spinal imaging. So the infrared thermography uses infrared technology. And essentially what it's doing is it's taking a heat differential measurement of nerves on either side of the spine. We have nerves coming out of the left side, nerves coming out of the right. And so this infrared technology is measuring the heat generated from those nerves. And why is heat so important? Because anytime you interfere, you resist, you compromise electrical flow, a byproduct is heat. Like lightning, it comes out of the sky, it hits the ground. A fire happens because you're resisting electrical flow. These nerves in our body, they, they have electricity in them. Like if, if I do a... a, a ECV, right? I'm measuring the electroconduction velocity of those nerves and that nerve signal from the brain to the brainstem going for those is about 268 miles an hour. So by using that infrared technology, I'm getting a gauge of neurologic function. And that requires me to say nothing to you and you to say nothing to me because it's objective scientific. As an example, if I, I tore, tore my meniscus, doctor writes a script, I go get an, an MRI. The MRI doesn't know what I'm dealing with. The tech doesn't know what I'm dealing with. It's an objective test. In my office, using the in infrared technology is the exact same, same thing. Now, a lot of chiropractors that use some type of thermographic analysis aren't necessarily interpreting it correctly, and they're not implementing it correctly. Part of the reason why I co-authored a textbook to train doctors and students on it. So it doesn't tell me where I need to make a correction. It doesn't tell me how I need to make a correction. It just lets me know that there's some compromise with, with, within, the, within the nervous system. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, don't worry, Scott. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, this will all be on a final. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Are you able to, okay, so... Um, from your, you know, from your infrared, I mean, what are you able to track as far as, as diet? So, I mean, so if someone's coming in with a, with a trashy diet, maybe they're not, you know, I know you're not a food scientist and I know you're not, that's not your degree, but give me an indicator of how you would know, like, Hey, this is, I know you're eating junk or I know, um, you know, this is off. What, what are, what are some signs that you'll notice on your end? Yeah, so the infrared scan is, is measuring neurologic function. And there's really three main things that can cause chaos or stress to the neurologic system. One is psychological stressors, why we like to call them thoughts. The second one is physical stressors, right? We like to call those traumas. The third, we like to call chemical stressors or toxins. So broken down, we're talking thoughts, 
traumas, and toxins. So when I run that infrared scan up the spine, I know if, depending on what that data comes back and, and shows, I can see, and you can see, because I educate you and show it to you, that there's some neurologic chaos, but I can't identify if it's a thought, a trauma, or a toxin. So then that's really where that communication between you and I come back and forth of, okay, let's talk about those psychological stressors. Let's talk about maybe physical stressors. Let's talk about chem chemical stressors. And those chemical stressors could be the food that you eat. It could be the fluoride in your toothpaste. It could be the aluminum that you put underneath your arms, the detergent you wash your clothes in, the 5G, the chemtrip, like there's tons of, of toxins in, in the world. And that's where the blood work comes in of, hey, once we get things going in the right direction, let's get some full blood work done and see what's happening nutritionally inside of the body because we can start to remove or reduce some of those toxins and that thus causing less stress on the nervous system. And so every time I run that in infrared scan, that's one less variable than that we have, have to worry about. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because, you know, people say there's a lot of different people doing, doing blood work in the chiropractic space and in, and in, in the medical space. Um, and a lot of people get a CVC, which is called a complete blood, blood count. Um, well, I can tell you that uh, a complete blood count is not complete. Um, it's just a snapshot of the white, white blood cells in the body, which is the, um, a lot of, an infection, right? And so the blood work that we do in our office, we get 62 pages of data. We've customized over 33 panels, 33 panels, which is a, one panel is a grouping of tests. Um, so like example, the thyroid alone, we do four, four panels just on the thyroid. Um, so a lot of times when people say, okay, what's the next step All right now, let's, let, let's get the, the, the blood work done and make some recommendations from what we see ob objectively. Where are you currently practicing what's right now? Your... Sorry, Braden. That's a, yeah. So I'm currently practicing in, in, in De Pere, uh, in St. Louis, but, uh, I'm in the process of opening up my own office in Carmel, which is in the North suburb of Indianapolis and it's crossroads bring and spine. So for those of you keeping track at home, yeah, crossroads yeah. Spine is, uh, coming to a town near you, if you live in Indianapolis, that's fantastic. I've got, I've got a lot of questions about that, but before we get into that, Braden, uh, go back to what you were saying. Yeah, no, I've got a million questions too, but on, uh, say customer, you know, client satisfaction, or, uh, as far as, you know, from your standpoint, say someone says, all right, uh, Dr. Michael, do as you choose. I'm committed to as long as this takes. Um, you know, what's a, what's your turnaround? Uh, and then, and then B, um, what do you consider, uh, you know, really a success story from your, from your client? That's a, that's a, a fantastic question. And I try to be, um, you know, when I first started practice, I tried to grab my shovel of philosophy and jam it down in everybody's throat because it makes so much darn sense to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense to, to other people. Um, so then I always ask them a question like this, of how long have you been brushing your, your teeth? And the answer is, well, probably since I've had teeth. I said, how many times a day do you floss? So well, I Try, you know, try to floss in the morning and in, and in the evening. I'm like, great. How do you use any, any mouthwash? I'm like, oh, sure. And so then I start to lead them of, are you ever going to stop brushing your, your teeth? They said, well, well, no. And I said, have you ever had a cavity before? 
Sure, most people have had a cavity. So what happens? We go to, we get a cavity, we go get it fixed. And then do you stop brushing your teeth after the cavities filled? No, you keep up the dental hygiene. Everybody undertakes better care of their teeth than they do their spine. I'm gonna get my spine checked and corrected if, if needed for the rest of my life. Same thing for my wife and same thing for my son. However, I don't have to see you three times a week for 10,000 weeks, two times a week for 5,000 weeks, and then once a week for the rest of your life. So part of the benefit of using the infrared technology is that I can base your care exactly on what is happening with your, with your nervous system so that you're getting care when you need it, but most importantly, you're not getting corrected when you don't need it. Because coming to a chiropractor and getting your spine adjusted every single visit is like going to a dentist and getting a root canal every single time. I guarantee you that if you got a root canal every time you went to the dentist, you'd probably find a new, 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 new dentist. Of all the patients I get the pleasure of taking care of, I don't adjust everybody's spine on every single visit. And that's the benefit of the infrared technology is because it tells me when, but most importantly, when not to. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, that's a great point. That makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, a success story. You know, uh, I give you an example. You know, a woman came, came to me. She was in her in her twenties. You know, did all all of all of my data and um, got a little bit of a history. She said, "Yeah, when I was a kid, allergies, you know, really bad. And then as I got a little older, they said, oh, you can never exercise without having having an inhaler.' So you can imagine what kind of you know frame of reference that got. Um, and then as she started to transition and become a young woman, her cycles were every two weeks." Every two months, again, you could imagine how that's affecting their life. Uh, then what happened is, is she had some thyroid stuff going on. And so then she had some excess hair on her face because what teenage girl you know, wants to have to shave her face every single day. Then as she got a little older into her 20s, she got married, went to an OBGYN. And the OBGYN says, oh, yeah, you have, you have uh, hormonal issues. You have thyroid issues. Oh, let's do a you know, gynecological exam, hey, you have a cyst on your right ovary, it's going to be really darn hard for you to get, get, get pregnant. So in the 20s, this, this woman is like, okay, I, I can't breathe because I have asthma. I have my cycles are all over the place. I'm having to shave every day. And I have a cyst that's going to be really hard to, to get pregnant. That patient came to me, was under care for almost a year, and things started to change. How did things start to change? She ran a half marathon, forgot to have her inhaler. Why? Because her lungs were functioning subpar and then under care, right? Her lungs got better and better, better function. Didn't have to have her inhaler. The irregular menstrual cycles every two weeks, every two months, every 28 days on a dot. The shaving, of she didn't have to shave her face every single day. And the cyst on her ovary, going to be really hard for you to get, get pregnant. Just so happens she got pregnant. Just so happens that's my wife. And her son is in the other room right now. So I used my wife as an example of, she came into us, what, everybody thinks chiropractors are back pain and neck pain. She had a lot of neurologic things happening inside her wrist and her thyroid. And so, I mean, what a success story because nerves go to glands, glands make cells and cells make things happen. So when we corrected, run that infrared scan up the body, the spine, there was some neurologic chaos. It took time for her body to break down 
it took almost a year for the body to undo that stuff. And then her life started to change in a big, big way. So her success was, I don't have to shave every day. I can, I can run a half marathon. I, my cycles are normal. And now I have a son. Other people say, oh, I don't have to drink alcohol because I don't have any neck pain. Or maybe like me, there's nothing wrong with me. It just makes so much darn sense that I want to get, I want to maintain my spinal hygiene, just like it makes sense for me to brush my teeth every single day, even though I don't have a cavity. What made her come to you? Sorry. Go go ahead. So everybody's success under care is is very, very different. Again, being able to customize care specifically to what what your body needs based on the, the infrared technology. What made her come to you in the first place? Because if, if I was her, I don't think I would have been aware enough to know that you could help me. Sure. So we were already married at this point. I'm going to chiropractic school and they tell us in chiropractic school, Hey, chiropractic works. And so everything I'm learning during the day, I come home and use it on her at night. So I'm adjusting her every single day. Oh yeah. You know, lay down. I had a, what chiropractic student doesn't have a table in her house. Right. So I'm adjusting my wife every single day and I'm almost eight months into school and nothing really changes about her health. So I think, well, maybe chiropractic sucks. Maybe chiropractic is a hoax, just like everybody thinks. So then what I do is I start studying. I didn't realize this, but there's over 150 different techniques that chiropractors use today. So then I travel the country, I go down to Dallas, I go to LA, I go to Kansas City, I'm studying under all these technique masks, like the Bruce Lee of chiropractic in my, you know, you do karate, you do, you know, jujitsu, there's all these different things, I start studying these under these technique masters. Some more time goes by, nothing changes in their health. So then I'm thinking like, maybe I suck as a doctor. If chiropractic is supposed to work, and it's not working, nothing about her health is changing, maybe I suck. So then I'm like, well, maybe I need to get certified in acupuncture because acupuncture is amazing. So then I get certified in acupuncture and she becomes a human pincushion. Still nothing changes in her health. Like, well, this, I'm in a pickle because I'm spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to study this thing. It's not working. Techniques aren't working. Acupuncture is not, not, not working. My wife is sick and I don't know how to help her. All until we meet a doctor in St. Louis, moves a bone in her neck, talks about nervous system function given enough time, then her life started to change. I don't want to practice the way that I practice. I wanted to be a pediatric doc, have kids throwing up and office smelly and toys all over the place. But the change to how I practice changed my life so, so much that I dedicated everything that I do toward that. Because if it can work for my wife, well, I couldn't work for you or you or you. And so that's, that's how my wife found what upper cervical care is. And now that's, I mean, that's the kind of care, care that she's under. And I see miracle stories like that every single day. And we're going to hit the pause button right there for today. Next week, you'll get to hear the second half of this conversation with Dr. Lee, and we'll continue to pick his brain on all things health and wellness. Give us a follow on Instagram at Inquire Inside. Take a screenshot of this episode, share it on your story, and tag the show as we'd love to see who is listening. Thank you all for tuning in today, and we'll catch you next time.